Decaying Review and Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at QNReview, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at tunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 3976. That's 0141 772 3976. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 14th of September, from the news section, exclusive, collections hit as bin staff sent home from Glasgow Depot. This article is an exclusive by Amanda Keenan. Union bosses have written to council chiefs accusing them of breaching workers' rights after drivers were sent home for refusing to use new technology in bin lorries. Collections in the northwest of the city have been disrupted after cleansing staff were told to leave the DOS Home Depot on Monday after bosses said they were unwilling to undertake contracted duties. Two drivers, who are GMB members, refused to use the new alloy tablet system that allows information gathered on bin lorry rounds to be recorded electronically. Its introduction, introduction is currently subject of a dispute between the union and the local authority. A group of 30 GMB members staged a sit-in at the base at the base, in support of their colleagues, which led to them also being told to go home. Council chiefs have said the action was unofficial and declared that all staff involved will not be paid, sparking fury among union bosses. They have now begun industrial action short of strike over the dispute and have penned an angry letter to Glasgow City Council's Chief Executive, Anne-Marie O'Donnell, claiming the local authority's conduct breaches the Trade Union and Labour Relations Act 1992. The correspondence, which has been seen by the Glasgow Times, said, GMB and the Council have thus far failed to agree on the use of alloy in refuse collection vehicles. Its use has been a subject to a legal ballot for, for action short of strike. It is therefore a surprise to hear that a number of people have faced disciplinary action for refusing to use the system while we are still in dispute. No union member should be in this position, as clearly set out in the Trade Union and Labour Relations Act 1992. Negotiations between GMP union officials and council bosses continued on Tuesday evening to try and reach a resolution, but talks ended in stalemate. A Glasgow City Council spokesman said, Due to unofficial industrial action within our waste management team, there has been a disruption to bin collections in the northwest of the city. A number of staff refused to undertake their duties and, as a consequence, were told to leave their depot. Anyone who refused to go about their duties will not be paid. The use of in-cab devices is now standard practice following a comprehensive review through our grievance process. Full training on how to use the devices is always provided by four by staff. We're very sorry for any inconvenience that's been caused by the disruption to services and we are working hard to resolve this matter. Affected residents should look out for updates on our website. 
Alloy tablets allowed, allow staff to record quickly any service issues, such as missed bin collections or the presence of rats. Refuse bosses say its introduction has been comprehensively reviewed and is in keeping with the roles staff currently and are paid for. But GMB convener for Glasgow's cleaning workers, Chris Mitchell, says that the new post needs to be created that recognises the additional responsibility operating Alloy brings. He added, We are already asking these guys to drive 20 ton vehicles in some of Scotland's narrowest streets. There is a lot of stress in that, and the introduction of this new system is only increasing that pressure. We aren't denying there are benefits to bringing it in, but it needs to be done properly with union consultation. What happened with these guys on Monday was not right and their colleagues weren't going to stand for it. The council have their view on it, and we have ours, but our priority now is making sure these people who took a stand aren't penalised financially for acting within the law. And that report was by Amanda Keenan. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 14th of September, News Unnecessary and crass Glasgow Group upset as trees cut down near Winford demolition site. By Esther Tarnay, community reporter. A group of residents came together to express their anger after a row of trees was cut down in North Glasgow. Members of the Winford Residents Union claim it was unnecessary and crass to get rid of five mature trees which grew near the Winford Tower Blocks due to be brought down by Wheatleger Homes. During a protest, locals demanded an environmental impact assessment, which the company claims is not warranted for the development at 151, 171, 191 and 120 Winford Road. Nick Jury of the group said, They were mature trees planted in the 1960s. On Tuesday evening, we placed a tribute to the trees and raised awareness of this environmental vandalism. There were five lime trees. Everyone feels this is unnecessary and crass. The Wheatley Group has confirmed that the felling of the trees will allow them to erect a fence around the demolition site. A planning application was approved by Glasgow City Council in late August to install the hoarding. A Wheatley Homes Glasgow spokesperson said, Health and safety is always our top priority while we carry out major regeneration work. We removed some trees to allow us to fit a security fence around the block in preparation for the demolition work beginning. We will plant new trees to replace any we have to remove. And the article was by community reporter Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 14th of September, from the news section, School strikes set to go ahead after revised payoffer rejected. Article by Lauren Brownlee. School strikes in Glasgow are set to go ahead following a meeting in which a revised payoffer was rejected. Units in Scotland says that unless a significantly improved offer is received by 5pm on Wednesday, September the 20th, strikes planned for September the 26th, 27th and 28th will take place. 24 local authorities are affected, including Glasgow, West Dumbartonshire, East Dumbartonshire, East Renfrewshire, Renfrewshire and South Lanarkshire. The Union's local government committee met this morning and voted unanimously to reject Cosler's new pay offer, which was sent on Wednesday evening, outright. 
Unison has written to Cosler today to say that the revision is minuscule and, as a result, the unanimous decision in our committee is that we reject this offer outright and proceed with strike action on the dates already notified. The letter points out that the revised offer represents an increase in the previous offer of only 0.17%. For those on the lowest pay, the revised offer represents an increase of only one pence per hour, effective from January the 1st, 2024. Those working full-time and earning £25,000 or above are being offered no increase on the previous offer, which has already been rejected. Joanna Baxter, Unison Scotland Head of Local Government, said, It is deeply disappointing that it has taken Cosla five months since our members rejected the initial offer to present such insignificant changes. We have made very clear that COSLA must put forward a significantly improved offer to avert mass school strikes. Members of our local government committee this morning described this offer as insulting. It is staggering that COSLA has still not approached and continue to refuse to approach the Scottish Government for additional funding to make a meaningful improvement to the pay offer. Given the state of local authority budgets, we believe this to be a dereliction of the duty to stand up for local government and fight for the funding needed to both properly reward the local government workforce and keep our public services running. Mark Ferguson, Unison Scotland Chair of local Unison Local Government Committee, said, The strike mandate we have is the strongest show of strength by our members in decades. They've resolved to fight for decent, the decent pay rise they and all their colleagues across local government so richly deserve is clear. And that article was written by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 14th of September. From the news section, Teen who threw item at Celtic fans on good behaviour order. By Connor Gordon. A teenage Hibs fan who threw an item at Celtic fans has been ordered to be of good behaviour. The then 16-year-old committed the crime at Celtic Park on October the 15th, 2022. The Hoops were hosting the Edinburgh side that day in a match Ange Postlicoglu's side went on to win 6-1. Court papers state that the now 17-year-old, culpably and recklessly, threw an item into a spectator area. The charge says this exposed the fans to risk of injury. The boy appeared in the dock at Glasgow Sheriff Court. He had an 1875 and Harp logo tattoo on his arm, which relates to the formation date of Hibernian Football Club. The boy pleaded guilty to the culpable and reckless charge. He also admitted to a separate allegation of possessing a document which resembled a driving licence. Prosecutor Josh Dowie told the sentencing that the boy was in the away section of the stadium. He said, Police were directed by CCTV operators that there was a person throwing items at the home fans. The operator identified the boy and police approached him. They took him to a quiet place in the stadium to speak to him where he was cautioned and charged. He told officers it was a 20p. Sheriff Patricia Price put the boy in a good behaviour order until March next year and deferred a decision on a football banning order until then. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 14th of September, from the news section, Teen 14 vanished after getting on train to Glasgow Queen Street. 
Report by Morgan Carmichael. A teen who has been reported missing is believed to be in Glasgow. Lila McGee, 14, was last seen boarding a train at Helensburgh Central train station at 6.24am today to Glasgow Queen Street. The train's destination was Edinburgh Waverley. However, it is believed she alighted in Glasgow. Leela is described as around 5 foot 6 inches tall, slim build with dark brown curly hair and a fringe. She wears silver framed square glasses and is believed to be wearing dark coloured trousers, dark trainers and a white baggy jacket with pink slash red sleeves over a black hooded top. She may have the hood pulled up covering her head. She is thought to have a light coloured bag with her. Inspector Barry Convery from Helensborough Police Station said, This behaviour is completely out of character for Leela and we are growing concerned for her welfare. We would ask anyone who may have been on a train heading towards Glasgow City Centre from Helensborough this morning, 14th of September, or anyone who may have seen her in Glasgow since this time, to get in touch with officers. Any sightings of Leela should be reported to police immediately or anyone who may have information that can help trace her. Those with information should call Police Scotland on 101 and quote incident number 0785 of September the 14th, 2023. Report by Morgan Carmichael. Evening Times, September 15th. Opinion. The Glasgow Science Centre ask, What can we do about climate anxiety? Report by Caroline Quinn. Climate change is a topic on everyone's mind. Perhaps, like me, you have noticed the increasing number of young people passionately advocating for climate action. Or maybe the relentless reports of rising temperatures and extreme weather events worldwide have become a constant in your newsfeed. While it is crucial to understand the current climate crisis and heed the warnings of scientists who confirm that human actions are accelerating climate change, it is also easy to succumb to despair when contemplating the future for ourselves and our children. Feelings of hopelessness, anger, grief, sadness and fear are all part of the emotional spectrum of eco-anxiety, often referred to as climate anxiety. In 2021, researchers at the University of Bath conducted a global survey to quantify the extent of climate anxiety among children and young adults. They gathered responses from 10,000 individuals across the globe, including the UK. The findings revealed that 84% of the young people surveyed were at least moderately concerned about climate change, with 59% expressing very or extreme worry. Disturbingly, 45% of these young respondents indicated that their climate anxiety negatively affected their daily lives. Climate anxiety also has tangible effects 
on the hopes and plans of young adults. A 2021 survey by the Pew Research Centre found that child-free adults in the USA who do not plan on having children cite climate change as a factor in their decision. They ponder the state of the world and the prospects for their hypothetical offspring, often concluding that the future looks bleak for the next generation. For those grappling with climate anxiety, there are practical steps to alleviate these feelings. While reducing your carbon footprint is commendable and empowers individuals to regain a sense of control over the situation, it also helps dispel feelings of personal guilt regarding carbon emissions. It may also be necessary to moderate your exposure to distressing news. Staying informed is crucial, but consider limiting your daily news consumption and obtaining information from reputable sources. Some news outlets focus on hopeful climate change stories, which can offer respite from the gloom. Education remains a powerful strategy against climate anxiety. Understanding climate change empowers individuals and inspires action. Joining local environmental organisations, volunteering, campaigning or engaging in community sustainability initiatives can foster a sense of purpose and belonging in the larger effort to combat climate change. In the coming months, climate change discussions will take centre stage. Scotland's Climate Week runs from September 25 to October 1, followed by COP28 in Dubai, beginning on November 30. While world leaders and policymakers convene to address climate change, it is easy to feel powerless at home. However, the Scottish community will now get a chance to pose questions to climate change experts. The Glasgow Science Centre's Climate Conversations Live series invites climate experts to engage in meaningful discussions and share their expertise, responding to questions from a live audience. Professor Tanzine Jaffrey from the pioneering Centre for Climate Justice at Glasgow Caledonian University is the first speaker. She and her team research climate justice, including issues like health and gender, and how they interact with climate change. The second is Chris Stark, head of the UK Climate Change Committee, which monitors the UK and devolved government's progress on climate targets. The final speaker is Dr James Ray from the University of St Andrews, an expert in earth and environmental science who says climate change is solvable. The series presented in partnership with the University of Strathclyde's Department of Physics will be hosted by broadcast journalist and writer Sally Magnuson. The events, which take place on October 9, November 6 and 27, 
are aimed at over 16s. Report from the Glasgow Science Centre and from Caroline Quinn. Evening Times, September 14. Lifestyle. House of Fraser could look differently after multi-million pound makeover. Report by Rebecca Newlands. New images show how Glasgow's House of Fraser could look if plans for a multi-million pound makeover are approved. We previously reported that Mike Ashley's group is seeking permission to revamp the flagship store on Buchanan Street. Plans are currently being considered by Glasgow City Council and new CGI images reveal how the store could look once the work is completed. The external facade of the building has been given a new look with canopies and flags adorned with the store logo. Inside, new lighting and fixtures have been added to the store's beauty department. House of Fraser began life in Glasgow in 1849 and has since developed into a unit comprising 350,000 square feet. Speaking about the refurbishment plans, David Epstein, Managing Director of Premium and Luxury at Fraser's Group said, Glasgow is a leading city for luxury retail and we are looking forward to the prospect of opening our first Fraser's flagship in this iconic building. We are investing significantly in the redevelopment of the site to create one of the most exciting new luxury retail destinations in Europe. In line with our elevation strategy, this will provide the group with the platform to collaborate with world-leading luxury brand partners and bring new innovative retail experiences to Glasgow. Report by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of September, from the news searching, Alleged witchcraft victim claims he was punched and whacked with pans by Grant McCabe. A boy claimed he was abused, knocked unconscious and also made to drink alcohol by members of an alleged child sex and witchcraft ring. The youngster further said he had to help to rescue a girl from being shut in a freezer. Seven men and four women are on trial at the High Court in Glasgow facing an indictment listing a total of 32 charges alleged to have occurred in the city between January 2010 and October 2020. The accusations involve four children with allegations including rape, other sex offences, witchcraft and attempted murder. Jurors today watched three interviews of the boy being quizzed by police in 2019 and 2020. During the final one, he was asked about meeting members of the group. The boy was with other alleged victims at the time. The youngster said they all arrived at the same time like it was planned. Asked what then happened, he added, they just punched us all, whacked us with pans. The kind of pans you put beans in, pots. The boy said he and two other children ended up unconscious. He told police, 
I only remember waking up on the floor. I went and got plasters for us. The boy claimed he had scratches and bruises nearly everywhere on my body. During another time with members of the group, the youngster recalled being forced into a room. The boy said one of the eleven shoved a bottle of Buckfast into his mouth. He believed one of the other children was also made to drink something. He also claimed another group member had big cameras with him. The detective asked, did he video what happened that day? The boy replied, yes. In an earlier interview shown today, the child told how one of the other alleged victims was shut in various kitchen appliances. He said the girl was in a microwave for a few minutes. The boy allegedly said she was also kept in an oven. Asked was it switch on, he replied off, as as if it was on, she would probably be dead. He added himself and a girl got the child out. The pair also had to rescue the same youngster from a freezer. He remembered the girl being curled up in a little ball and the first thing she said was help. Judas heard the girl was closed in a fridge which had been switched off. The boy further stated he saw her being hung from a nail on a wall for up to 10 minutes by one of the 11, so she learned a lesson. Ian Owens, 45. Elaine Lannery, 39. Leslie Williams, 41. Paul Brannan, 41. Marianne Gallagher, 38. Scott Forbes, 50. Barry Watson, 47. Mark Carr, 50. Richard Gacken, 45. Leona Lang, 51. And John Clark, 47. Deny the accusations they face. The trial before Judge Lord Beckett continues on Monday. And that report was by Grant McCabe. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of September, from the news section. Drumchapel thug stuck knife into partner's hand. Report by Connor Gordon. A thug waterboarded his partner while she watched Friends during a six-year campaign of domestic terror. Scott O'Sullivan, 40, made the woman suffer at his hands between 2004 and 2010. O'Sullivan of Drumchapel kept tabs on her and attacked her on a number of occasions. This included slamming her face onto a mirror and sticking a knife into her hand. The woman told a jury that O'Sullivan also tried to drown her by putting a towel over her face and pouring water on it. She stated that she struggled to breathe and felt she was going to pass out. The victim later ended the relationship but found out he started a romance with her teenage half-sister. The teenager was also a victim at the hands of O'Sullivan, who tormented her for two years. O'Sullivan was violent towards her while she was pregnant and made her feel like nothing. The teen stated O'Sullivan used steroids, which made him aggressive, and recalled a cigarette being put out on her arm. O'Sullivan was found guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to assaulting the first woman to her severe injury and permanent disfigurement. The charge spans between 2004 and 2010 at properties in the city Somerson, Annie's Land and Mary Hill. He was also convicted of assaulting the teenager at a property in Somerston between August 2012 and May 2014. The court heard from the first woman who stated she got into a relationship with O'Sullivan 
who she met through work. She claimed that the waterboard incident was in 2004 or 2005 while she sat on the couch watching an episode of Friends. She told police in a statement, He had an argument with me. He came up behind me with a wet towel and put it on my face from behind and pulled my head back. He then started pouring a bottle of water over my face and trying to drown me. I couldn't catch my breath. I thought I was ready for passing out. The woman said she later broke down in tears before putting pyjamas on and went to bed. The witness stated that they initially split up but got back together. She stated that O'Sullivan called her names such as Ugly. However, the pair got married in 2008 and the victim found a job at Barclays Bank. She stated that O'Sullivan was jealous of her and believed she was going to cheat on him. But she later stated that it was O'Sullivan who cheated on her with a barmaid. She recalled having her head slammed in her mirror by O'Sullivan which resulted in swelling. She added that O'Sullivan became animated and put a kitchen knife through her hand in 2009. The woman stated that she broke up with O'Sullivan in 2011 after she snapped and did not want to go home to him. Prosecutor Lauren Donnelly asked, Did you find out that he entered a relationship with your half-sister? The woman replied, Yes, I didn't. she was 17 and had known O'Sullivan since she was 6. The teen stated she got into a relationship with O'Sullivan a year after he split with her half-sister. She stated that it was brilliant at the start and became pregnant for the first time. O'Sullivan was stated to have struck her with a Moses basket with such force that it broke. She fell pregnant again in February 2013 and he was violent towards her. The charge states she was seized and dragged by the hair. She was also repeatedly kicked on the body. Further to this, she was repeatedly slapped and punched on the body. Prosecutor Lauren Donnelly told jurors in her closing speech. She said, I felt as if someone was there to protect me was hurting me more than anyone else had ever done. The jury were also reminded that the teenager told them that O'Sullivan was aggressive and using steroids. Miss Donnelly added, She described an incident where they had been arguing and he stubbed a cigarette out on her arm. O'Sullivan also accused her of cheating on him and she claimed the relationship took a toll on her mental health. She reported the matter to the police without consulting her half-sister. Sentence was deferred pending background reports by Sheriff Patrick Hughes. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of September, from the news section, Man rushed to hospital after slashing on Glasgow Union Street. Report by Marissa McWhorter. A man was rushed to hospital after being slashed in Glasgow City Centre. The broad daylight attack was carried out on Union Street around 2.20pm on Thursday, September the 14th, afternoon. The 29-year-old was taken to Queen Elizabeth University Hospital for treatment. His condition is unknown. A probe has been launched following the incident with any witnesses urged to contact police. A Police Scotland spokesperson said... Around 2.20pm on Thursday, September the 14th, 2023, we were called to a report of a disturbance on Union Street, Glasgow. A 29-year-old man was taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital for treatment. Inquiries are ongoing. Anyone with information is urged to contact 101 
quoting reference 1962 of September the 14th, or call Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 one And that report was by Mar- Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of September, News. Police probe launched following series of housebreakings in Glasgow. Report by Morgan Carmichael. A series of housebreakings in Glasgow has led to a police probe. The incidents occurred between Thursday, August 24th, 2023 and Wednesday, September the 13th at business premises on Byers Road, Great Western Road, Dumbarton Road, Gibson Street, Highland Road and Hindland Street. Now, the force is appealing for information following the crimes in the west end of the city. Speaking on the matter, Inspector Marie Crawford said, It is clear that the person or persons involved have absolutely no consideration for the owners of these businesses and the impact that these crimes will have on them. I am appealing to anyone who has any information regarding these break-ins or who may have any relevant CCTV or ring doorbell footage to contact Police Scotland on 101 and code incident number 0415 of August 28. That's incident number 0415 of August 28. Details can also be given anonymously to Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 That's Crime Stoppers on 0800 I would like to take take this opportunity to remind business owners and members of the public to ensure that their properties are locked and secured to prevent any opportunists from carrying out similar incidents. And that report was by Morgan Carmichael. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of September, from the news section, Teen appears in court charged with murder bid in Johnston. Report by Jacob Nicholl. A teenager has appeared in court to charge with an alleged murder bid in Johnston. Daniel Donnelly made no plea at Paisley Sheriff Court on Friday, September 15th. The 18-year-old was charged with assault to severe injury, permanent disfigurement, danger of life and attempted murder. Donnelly, of Johnston, was committed for further examination and released on bail. His next court appearance is to be confirmed. It comes after we reported that a 16-year-old teenage boy was allegedly assaulted and stabbed near Thorncourt at around 12.20pm on Wednesday, September 13th. He was taken to hospital where medical staff describe his condition as stable. Officers are continuing to appeal for information on another man who is described as slim and in his mid to late teens with short brown hair. At the time, he was wearing a dark coloured tracksuit top and bottoms the hood up or a baseball cap on. Anyone with information is asked to call Police Scotland via 101, quoting incident number 1542 of September 13th. Alternatively, please call Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 That's 0800-555-111, where information can be given anonymously. And that report was by Jacob Nicholl. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of September. From the news section, Breaking, Tony Ferns, 
Arrest made in unsolved Thornley Bank murder from 2019. Report by Marissa McWhorter. Arrests have been made following the alleged murder of Anthony Ferns in Thornley Bank in 2019. Four men aged 37, 48, 54 and 67 have been arrested and charged in connection with the death of the 33-year-old on April 18, 2019. A spokesperson for Police Scotland announced the breakthrough in the cold case on Friday, September the 15th, morning. They said, Four men aged 37, 48, 54 and 67 years have been arrested and charged in connection with the death of 33-year-old Tony Ferns in Thornley Bank on Thursday, the 18th of April, 2019. They are due to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court on Friday, September the 15th, 2023. At the time, a friend of the Ferns said, Tony was a lovely boy, a gentle giant, he was a tyler and worked hard. Why anyone would do this to him is a mystery. It is shocking that something like this can happen in a quiet residential area like this. I just keep asking myself, why? And that report was by Marissa McWhorter. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 18th of September. Lifestyle. 80s pop group announce an anniversary tour with a Glasgow show. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. A legendary pop group has announced a Glasgow date on a special anniversary tour. Simply Red is celebrating 40 years of charge success by embarking on their 40th anniversary tour in 2025. The band, known for its hits Fairground, Stars, If You Don't Know Me By Now and More, will visit the city's Oval Hydro on Sunday, September the 28th, 2025. With over 60 million albums sold worldwide, five UK number one albums, 1.8 billion streams across streaming platforms worldwide and over 1 million YouTube subscribers, Simply Red remains one of the UK's most successful and well-loved bands. Their 1991 classic, Stars, was the best-selling album for two years running in Britain and Europe, and all 13 of Simply Red's studio albums, including their latest release, Time, have reached the top ten. Mick Hucknall, who formed the group in Manchester in 1985, said, Simply Red is turning 40. We're looking forward to marking this special milestone with you all in 2025 on our UK tour. Fans can expect to hear all their favourite Simply Red tracks from 1985 to the present and enjoy a memorable night celebrating the incredible journey that we've been on together over the past four decades. Tickets for the show go on sale on Thursday, this Thursday, September the 21st, 2023. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 18th of September. Mentoring service for young people at risk. An article written by Marissa McWhorter. A leading Glasgow charity is warning that a life-changing, befriending and mentoring service for children and young people faces severe cuts if new funding can't be found. Volunteer Glasgow needs to raise £110,000 over the next year to maintain community-based befriending and mentoring services for children aged 8 to 18 across the city. 
Dr Tom Berry, a chair at Volunteer Glasgow, urged people to understand the importance of the charity. He said, If we're genuinely aiming to get it right for every child in Glasgow and in Scotland, we can't afford to lose these services. I'm also a panel member at Children's Hearings, and we know how needed and hugely important these resources are for the welfare and future lives of the city's young people. According to the charity, every child who was matched with a volunteer last year achieved one or more key outcomes, like providing an element of protection, increasing self-confidence, skills, engagement in community activities and accessing services for the wider family. Ricky, who is an 18-year-old who used the service for two years, said, I've learned how to interact with people. My confidence has grown. I know this because I never used to talk to people. Having John as my befriender helped me to talk to my family more. Carol, who's a volunteer that has worked as a befriender for the last 15 years, sang the praises of the organisation. She said, It has to be one of the greatest things I've ever done in my spare time. It's great fun, but it's built on trust, mutual respect and the excellent foundations of training, support and supervision provided by the small staff team. And it's made a massive difference to the children and to the young people I've been matched with. Volunteers deliver a powerful message because they are unpaid. They choose to consistently spend time with our children and young people, which has an immediate and enduring positive impact on children's self-esteem. Originally set up with 100% grant funding from central, then from local government, these services are now wholly supported by charitable trusts and individual donations, despite most of the children and young people being referred by colleagues in statutory services in education and social work. An article written by Marissa McQuirter. Glasgow Times News on Monday, the 18th of September. Calls for CCTV as fly-tippers dump dangerous pills. An exclusive front-page article written by Kirsty Fierick. Brazen fly-tippers left dangerous pills on a popular path, sparking calls for CCTV cameras. Anna Stewart feels tormented by illegal dumpers who have been abandoning rubbish at the Kathkin Bray's mountain bike trails for four years. The 82-year-old from Castlemilk now wants cameras installed to deter people from illegal dumping, as she fears it would soon end in a fatality. It comes after residents discovered prescribed salbutamol nebulizer solution and laxido, which can cause tremors, diarrhoea, heart problems, stomach issues and severe pains. Anna told the Glasgow Times, The mess left is an absolute disgrace. Something needs to happen before someone dies or gets seriously hurt. We just found medication in the rubbish. What if a child or an animal gets into it? Is it going to take something serious like that before anything is really done? There needs to be CCTV put up in the area to stop this happening. It is horrible for the area. It's been an ongoing issue for years, but nothing's been done. It's just lazy people not wanting to get rid of rubbish properly, making the area a dumping ground. Pictures seen by the Glasgow Times have seen massive piles of rubbish dumped on the site, including boxes of medications, debris, bin bags and plastic waste. 
One other resident who lives near the area, named Jane, said, I'm so sick of people dumping stuff and nothing getting done about it. It's a really serious issue. It looks a mess and we need it to end. It's been happening for years. I'm really worried a small child will get into something they shouldn't and it will be too late. I've been told we will get CCTV, but have yet to see that happen. A council spokesperson said, We completely share the residents' frustration on this matter. Fly-tipping is an environmental crime that blights communities, causes justifiable upset amongst residents and becomes a significant drain on public resources. Everyone knows that fly-tipping is wrong, including the cowboy contractors who are frequently behind these incidents. We are aware of the latest incident at this location and it will be dealt with appropriately. If anyone has any information on those responsible, they should contact the police or our environmental health team so that appropriate action can be taken. We are looking at what interventions could help to prevent fly-tipping at this location. An exclusive front-page article written by Kirsty Fierig. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 18th of September. Car-free zones to be rolled out at many more schools. An article written by Drew Sandilands. A Glasgow councillor is encouraging more families to walk or cycle to school as he urged drivers to respect the restrictions in place. The school streets programme, predominantly car-free zones, has been rolled out at almost 50 schools across the city as part of efforts to improve road safety and reduce harmful emissions. Councillor Paul McCabe, SNP, who chairs the Safe Glasgow Partnership, said the enthusiasm for cycling shown by the audiences within Glasgow during the UCI World Championships had been tremendous. He said that the council wanted to build on that success and has already introduced a suite of integrated transport and other plans to prioritise walking, wheeling and cycling as the first and natural choice for everyday journeys. Councillor McCabe also praised the Shawlands Bike Bus, which sees a group of adults and children cycle or wheel to Shawlands Primary every Friday morning. The school streets programme puts in place restrictions for 45-minute periods in the morning and in the afternoon when pupils arrive and leave school. Anyone driving in the zone is at risk of a fine. It was introduced to improve road safety, reduce harmful emissions and encourage active travel. There are some exemptions which allow vehicles such as residents to drive through the area. Councillor McCabe added, School Streets is all about making children's journeys to school as safe as possible. It's important that all car drivers respect the zones at the beginning and at the end of the school day. Due to its success, the initiative is being rolled out in many more schools and I urge everyone to respect the restrictions where this is in place. One and a half hours per day is a small sacrifice for the safety and health of Glasgow's children. The Lynn Ward councillor said all schools in the area have his support to enable whatever active travel options they choose, whether walking or cycling buses. Council officials worked with Shawlands Primary to provide an innovative bike-mounted remote-controlled device that holds traffic to let the children in bike buses cross in good time. A Go Cycle Glasgow fund, created by Glasgow Life and by Glasgow City Council to inspire people to take up cycling, 
received £50,000 from Buchanan Gallery's owner Landsec ahead of the UCI Championships. Overall, 29 community groups have received a share of about £160,000 towards new and enhanced cycling initiatives, which encourage and promote cycling for recreation, sport and active travel. At a recent full council meeting, Councillor McCabe asked council leader Susan Aitken how the World Championships had enhanced the city as a global events host and vibrant destination. Councillor Aitken said... I think it's fair to say that everyone who came onto the streets, into any of the venues or watched the events on television would agree that the UCI Cycling World Championships delivered a magnificent 11 days for Glasgow and proved once again that this twice European capital of sport really cuts it on the global stage. She added that 190,000 people had gathered to watch the men's elite road race along the 14km city circuit And over the championships, around 500,000 either crammed the streets or the various venues in the city. Glasgow provided a stunning backdrop to the events, the council leader said. I'm sure I speak for many in the chamber when I say how proud I was of the images of our city and how stunning we looked beamed across the world. An article written by Drew Sandilands. Glasgow Times News On Monday, the 18th of September. A carpet of bluebells to be planted at Glasgow's Victoria Park. An exclusive article written by Esther Tarnay. More than 2,000 bluebells will be planted in a Glasgow park. The carpet of flowers will be created by children from several West End primary schools and will brighten Victoria Park. Pupils from Whiteinch Primary, St Paul's Primary and Scotston Primary Schools will be planting more than 2,000 native British bluebell bulbs at a single event. This will take place in the area around the park's famous Still Game Bench on Wednesday this week at 9.30am. The planting has been arranged by Victoria Park Community Trust, a community charity set up to foster grassroots involvement in the development of the park. Trust Chair Steve Nelson said, This initiative has many benefits for the community. As well as creating a beautiful spectacle for park visitors in springtime, it will also contribute in a very practical way to the environmental education of local children. While at the planting, we also hope to introduce them and their teachers to our biodiversity garden, which we're developing on adjacent ground. The event follows the successful crocus bulb planting in the early years of the park by previous generations of primary school children and has been funded by the national charity Volunteering Matters Action Earth. An exclusive article written by Esther Tarnay. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 18th of September. Fire engines unavailable 6,000 times in 2022. An article written by Rebecca McCurdy. Fire engines were unavailable to firefighters more than 6,000 times in 2022, a 138% increase on pre-pandemic years, figures show. Scottish Labour, which obtained the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service data through a Freedom of Information request, said the bombshell statistics should act as a wake-up call to ministers. Whole-time fire appliances were unavailable or off the run 6,272 times last year, 
compared to 2,639 occasions in 2019. It was more than double the 2021 rate, when 3,098 appliances were off the run across the North, East and West fire service. Figures from the first half of 2023 are also worse than the whole 2019 year, with 2,707 off-the-run incidents recorded up to June. Meanwhile, figures show retained duty system appliances available for on-call firefighters were unavailable 112,615 times in 2022, compared to 95,223 occasions in 2019. The figures do not include Perth, Kinross or Angus, as the system used to record retained duty service does not record off-the-run data. It comes as Scottish Fire and Rescue Service Chief Officer Ross Haggett warned a Holyrood committee of significant financial pressures facing the service, as it may have to make savings of between £14 million and £26 million next year, which could see the withdrawal of 18 appliances. An article written by Rebecca McCurdy. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 18th of September. A nurse could face jail for having a sexual relationship with a patient. An article written by Connor Gordon. A nurse at a mental health unit could be facing jail after she embarked on a sexual relationship with a patient. Jill McLaren, who's 37, had secret trysts with a man she knew from the secure clinic in Glasgow, where she worked. This included the mum of two taking him to her home under the guise of an escorted Christmas shopping trip. Ms McLaren pleaded guilty to engaging in sexual activity with the man as she appeared in the dock at Glasgow Sheriff Court. The crime spanned between July 2018 and September 2019. Prosecutors accepted not guilty pleas to similar allegations that she was involved with two other patients at the unit. Ms McLaren from Greenock had her bail continued. The court heard how the nurse and the man started frequently chatting about their shared love for fitness. She then told him she started a shift on his ward in order to see him and they began to flirt with each other. Fiscal Lauren Donnelly said... She went to get chocolates in the unit and he followed her. They began kissing in the cupboard. The pair agreed that if Ms McLaren wished to speak to him outside of the clinic, she should use a different name. The man was woken up by the nurse one evening during a night shift as she shone a flashlight into his face. They again went on to kiss before she carried out a sex act in his bedroom. The court heard Ms McLaren also bought a birthday card for the man. It read, Have a great day. Wish I could speak to you. Half love you. Ha ha. Miss McLaren went on to go with him on an outing for him to apparently buy Christmas gifts, but they instead ended up at her house where further sexual contact occurred. The man's mother became suspicious of a relationship between the pair and was worried for her son. However, she did not report the matter as there was a possibility he would be moved to a less secure unit. Ms McLaren left her permanent post at the unit in August 2019 to start another role, but she still took several shifts at the clinic and during one, an argument took place after Ms McLaren suddenly ended the relationship. 
However, Ms McLaren later sent another card to the man with I miss you written on the front. A staff nurse at the unit later received a phone call asking for the man and recognised Ms McLaren's voice. Ms Donnelly said she became suspicious of this and hid redial and recognised the number. She checked this against the number of the staff and it matched the one held by Ms McLaren. The man's mental health deteriorated after he was made aware that the staff knew about the relationship. He later confessed to his lawyer and staff at the unit about what was going on. Ms McLaren ended up being arrested but made no comment at the time. Ewan Dow, defending, told the court that the nurse had recently left a volatile relationship before starting at the unit. He said she felt low and vulnerable with her partner leaving. She felt worthless and lonely. When she started work at the unit, she felt flattered by some of the attention that was given to her by the man. It's to her shame and regret that she became involved in a wholly inappropriate relationship. She knew it wasn't right, and on a number of occasions she identified to the man that it was wrong and should not continue. He said if she did end the relationship, he would disclose it to her employers and members of the family. Sentence was deferred pending background reports until next month by Sheriff Jared Considine, who granted Ms McLaren bail and put her on the sex offenders register. He said, Clearly this was a gross breach of trust and the charge you pleaded guilty to is extremely serious. The law protects people such as the man in this case. Be in no doubt, custody is in the uppermost of my mind. An article written by Connor Gordon Glasgow Times News on Monday the 18th of September One third of Glasgow City Council vehicles don't comply with a low emission zone. An exclusive article written by David Ball Council chiefs in Glasgow have been accused of hypocrisy after it was revealed that more than one third of the authority's own vehicles don't comply with the city's controversial low emission zone. Glasgow City Council became the first local authority in Scotland to roll out a low-emission zone in a bid to improve air quality and harmful emissions in the city centre. But statistics obtained from the City Council show that almost 600 of the authority's own vehicles, making up more than a third of its total vehicles, don't meet the standards required of motorists to enter the zone. In response to a Freedom of Information request made by our sister title, The Herald, Glasgow City Council confirmed that of the 1,592 vehicles currently in the authority's fleet, only 995 are compliant with the LEZ standards and 597 do not meet the requirements. The statistics mean that more than one-third of the Council's own vehicles don't meet the standards set out to enter the LEZ without facing fines. The City Council has argued that not all of its vehicles are needed to enter the LEZ area of Glasgow and stressed that all will be replaced as part of a strategy. Scottish Conservative Shadow Transport Minister Graham Simpson said this is the height of hypocrisy from the SNP-led Glasgow City Council. They've imposed this scheme on hard-pressed motorists during a cost-of-living crisis, yet have not bothered to get their own house in order. The public will find it astonishing that nearly 600, more than a third of the council's own vehicles, fall foul of their own low-emission zone. He added, 
it's all too typical of the arrogance among SNP Green politicians to not practice what they're asking others to do. The SNP-led council have rolled out an unworkable policy to the detriment of Glasgow's residents and businesses, without even carrying out their own in-house homework before doing so. When the low-emission zone was rolled out in June, Glasgow City Council said the policy will protect public health by tackling unacceptably high levels of air pollution, but opposition parties say the policy will affect livelihoods and businesses. Number plate recognition cameras will be used to enforce the zone. When a non-compliant vehicle is detected in the zone, a penalty charge notice will be issued to the registered driver. The first phase of the scheme focused on buses and saw a year-on-year improvement in the proportion of low or zero-emission buses servicing the city centre. The zone covers the area of the city centre bounded by the M8 motorway to the north and west, the River Clyde to the south and the Salt Market and the High Street to the east, but does not include the motorway itself. A vehicle can only drive within the zone if it meets the specified emission standards, which are Euro 4 for petrol cars and vans, Euro 6 for diesel cars and vans, and Euro 6 for buses, coaches and heavy goods vehicles. The Scottish Government has committed to reduce car kilometres by 20% by the year 2030. Scientists have said that lowering air pollution from traffic in cities through low-emission zones and congestion-charging zones has a measurable benefit to public health. Rosemary Chamberlain of Imperial College London, who is the first author of a study published in The Lancet, said the experts found evidence of health benefits within a relatively short time of implementation, particularly in relation to cardiovascular disease and road traffic injuries. It's understood that the number of the council's vehicles that do not comply is expected to drop slightly to 584 in the next month or so. The City Council will replace all other non-compliant vehicles through the local authority's fleet replacement programme. A council spokesperson said, Only a limited number of vehicles in the council's fleet are required to enter the city centre low-emission zone, and those that do are expected to meet the emission standards. New LEZ-compliant vehicles have been delivered into the Council's fleet and we've undertaken a programme of vehicle retrofit where appropriate to meet the required standards. An exclusive article written by David Ball. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 18th of September. A very ambitious plan to revamp a Glasgow theatre. An article written by Drew Sandilands. A very ambitious multi-million pound plan to revamp Glasgow's King's Theatre is being developed to attract bigger shows. The theatre's owner, Glasgow City Council, and the Ambassador Theatre Group, or ATG, which runs the Bath Street venue, are working on a project to upgrade the A-listed building. A council official said it is required to attract shows like Hamilton and The Lion King, which can't fit in behind the stage at the moment. He told councillors that a cocktail of funding will be needed, with contributions from the council, ATG and possibly from heritage organisations. A council committee agreed to include an exclusivity agreement in a new short-term lease for the theatre, which first opened in 1904. A longer-term lease renewal is expected once a redevelopment plan has been made. 
The exclusivity agreement ensures the council can't take any other expressions of interest in managing or running the theatre. Glasgow Theatres Limited, a subsidiary of ATG, has occupied the building since September 2002, having signed a lease and a management agreement. The company expressed an interest in extending both agreements for three years pre-pandemic, with the intention of working on a redevelopment plan to make significant improvements, a council official said. However, he added that the pandemic meant the three-year extension was all but lost, so the agreements are being extended for another three years. A council report stated that advances in theatre design and the trend for shows to require larger and heavier sets, along with a requirement to significantly upgrade the accessibility and internal condition of the theatre, had prompted Glasgow Theatres Limited to start discussions with the council over a significant redevelopment of the venue. The council official said he believed the exclusivity agreement is reasonable and it's hoped to establish what the development might look like over the next three years. It's very ambitious, he said. It's likely to involve everything behind the stage to effectively be removed and rebuilt bigger and taller and stronger. The shows we want to attract to the King's Theatre, like Hamilton and The Lion King, can't fit in behind the stage at the moment, and that's the reason why they never appear in Glasgow. There's an aspiration to bring these bigger shows to the city. Once we've agreed what the development might look like, once we've agreed it can be fully funded by a cocktail of funding, at that point we will agree on a long-term lease with Glasgow Theatres Limited for a period of probably 50 or 60 years. Councillors were told that the council, as the owner of the building, will probably require to contribute, and staff are looking at innovative ways to do so, without necessarily shoveling huge sums of money into the project. The official said ATG has also committed some significant level of funding, and it's likely external money from the likes of Historic Environment Scotland, or perhaps the National Lottery Heritage Fund, would be sought. Councillor Franny Scally, SNP, who chairs the Contracts and Property Committee, which agreed to an exclusivity agreement, said, With bigger productions coming into the city, it would be great for the citizens of Glasgow. The period of exclusivity will run until around January 2028, or earlier if agreement on the refurbishment and a long-term lease can be reached. An article written by Drew Sandilands. This is from the Glasgow Times. On the 20th of September 2023, from the news section, and the headline reads Council workers in bid for shed after being told bikes safety hazard. This article is by Catherine Hunter. Workers at a Glasgow recycling plant are campaigning for a bike shed after being warned that their cycling equipment was a health and safety hazard. Staff at Blockhearn Recycling Centre have been asking for a place to store their bikes after council officials raised concerns about cycling equipment left at the complex during working hours. Local GMB union convener Chris Mitchell said they were backing the campaign. Glasgow City Council said bikes have now been moved within the depot for the time being and that they want to support staff being able to travel to work by the most sustainable means. Mr Mitchell said, I have been trying for about a year to get a bike shed at Blockairn Recycling Plant as a lot of our workers cycle into work rather than use their car. I have been asking for a bike rack up there for about a year, as the workers have not been able to get one. 
Health and safety has told us that we need to move their bikes from the complex because there is nowhere to store them. Our workers are promoting health and well-being and clean air in a recycling plant, but the council has not provided a bike rack for them yet. The council says it will cost hundreds of pounds to install one, but they have them dotted all over the city and some of them don't seem to be well used. There are about 9 or 10 employees cycling into work who have been told they have had to remove their bikes from the plant. The council says they will look into it, but this doesn't seem to have been the case. It is ridiculous that we are promoting LEZ zones, clean air and healthy living, but can't even get a bike shed for our staff at a recycling plant. A Glasgow City Council spokesman said where bikes were being stored during the working day was causing a safety concern and they have been moved within the depot for the time being. We're very keen to support staff being able to travel to work by the most sustainable means possible and bike storage has been introduced in other parts of the council estate for staff. We'll look to install suitable equipment at the depot as soon as as is reasonably possible. This article was by Catherine Hunter. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of September 2023 from the news section and the headline reads Cousins from Glasgow and Wishaw discuss life-saving heart transplants. This article is by Morgan Carmichael. Two cousins have spoken of their new lease of life after receiving life-saving heart transplants. Fraser Wilson from Glasgow and Louise Campbell from Wishaw were both 45 when they underwent the surgery at the Golden Jubilee University National Hospital in Clydebank. The pair both had the genetic disease cardiomyopathy and had lost parents and uncles there. Mr Wilson, 46, who is an area director for a bank in Glasgow, was diagnosed with dilated cardiomyopathy when he was just 14. He was further diagnosed with heart failure five years ago and had a defibrillator fitted, but his health deteriorated last January. Speaking about the benefits of his surgery, Mr Wilson said, It's phenomenal having this new heart. It's hard to describe. I just feel like everything has been sorted in me, like a 30-year weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Because I was diagnosed so young, I always just assumed I was going to die young, but now I genuinely have a new lease of life. It's amazing. I always thought positively of organ donation and wanted to be an organ donor, but I wasn't sure if my organs would be particularly useful. But going through this process, I also have a much better appreciation of a organ donation now. Miss Campbell, now 47, also had a defibrillator fitted when she was just 18 and underwent her transplant at the same age as Mr Wilson. Since the procedure, she has started studying for her role in social work and even appeared as a contestant on the television game show Countdown. She said, We as a family spoke a lot about organ donation. One of my mum's cousins donated his organs after he'd passed away and that brought them as a family comfort. As a recipient, I have a huge appreciation for my heart that someone has decided to give me. It's more than donating an organ, it's giving someone their life back. It's a whole life that impacts your family and friends and it gives people a future. Whoever my donor is hasn't just given me a new life, it's changed my child's life as well. But I know this came from a loss from another family so it's hard to deal with sometimes. But all you can do is love your life for them and make it meaningful. The cousins told their stories to mark Organ and Tissue Donation Week, which aims to raise awareness of the importance of making a decision to donate, as well as pay tribute to organ donors and families who have given the gift of life to others. 
At the same time, the team at the NHS Golden Jubilees Scottish National Advanced Heart Failure Service, or SNAHFS, is celebrating the completion of 500 transplants over the past 30 years, with a record of 40 procedures successfully carried out in the past 12 months. This article was by Morgan Carmichael. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of September 2023 from the news section and the headline reads Drumchapel Dad's Warning as Baby's Rash was Adult Cancer. This article is by Kirsty Fiedek. A Glasgow dad has been left heartbroken after his baby son's rash was revealed to be a rare adult cancer. Tommy McDougall, 26, was heartbroken after doctors diagnosed little 18-month-old Thomas with acute myeloid leukaemia, which is normally only found in adults. The condition affects the blood and bone marrow, leaving the youngster becoming suddenly very ill around six weeks ago. Tommy, from John Chapel, and mum, Alex Davies, 22, raised the alarm after noticing a rash appear on the top, along with him struggling to move as he suffered a fever and pains. Now, watching the youngster go through chemotherapy and treatment, the dad of one says, it still doesn't feel real. Tommy told the Glasgow Times, I was in shock when they told us they had adult leukaemia. It's been weird dealing with it, despite seeing him every day in the hospital, it still doesn't seem real. At the beginning of it all he stopped being able to crawl and he was just finding his feet to learn to walk and then all of a sudden he wouldn't really want to move. Now he's back standing up, crawling around and trying to take little steps again. So it just seems like there's nothing wrong, even though he has adult leukaemia. It's just a strange position to be in. Loved ones have rallied around the family to help them during this difficult time and are raising money to support them. It comes as Top faces years of treatment and special care as he goes through radiation and has a low immune system. His parents are also considering giving the money to charity, despite feeling the financial pressure themselves. Tommy explained, Thomas has money going towards keeping him safe after he is released from hospital for things like gloves and sanitizer. Some cancer care things are more than £100, and he will be needing care for up to two years after release. Right now, even if we need to change his nappy, we need to wear gloves because of the radiation from the chemo. It could affect me and his mother, which could cause us cancer. We need to clean him with hydromol into hot water and dip non-woven swabs into it instead of using wipes. This is because his skin is dry, which could cause cracks and makes it easier for infections during his low immune system period. We can't even touch his clothes that he's peed through or been sick on or covered in saliva due to having a chance to make us ill too. We thought about maybe giving money to the ward Tommy is living in to help the nurses to be able to do their job easier and more efficiently. And my partner has mentioned a cancer charity. This article was by Kirsty Fiedek. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of September 2023 from the news section. And the headline reads, How to apply for the £50 brown bin permit in Glasgow. This article is by Rebecca Newlands. Council bosses have urged residents to sign up early for a brown bin permit. At Glasgow City Council's annual budget meeting in February, they were forced to make a string of cuts to plug a £50 million deficit. A decision was made to introduce a £50 charge for the collection of garden waste typically housed in brown bins. 
We previously reported that those who require their brown bins to be emptied by council waste collectors can now apply for the permit as the charge comes into effect from October 1st, 2023. While residents can apply at any time, bosses are encouraging people to sign up early via the online form that has now appeared on the council website. This is to ensure maximum potential collections for the year, which are every two weeks. Residents who sign up after the introduction of the charge on October 1st will still be charged the full annual fee, but will receive fewer collections. You'll be asked to pay £50 in the form of a one-off payment, but it should be noted that this charge applies per brown bin. So if you have two brown bins, you'll need to fill out two online forms and overall pay £100. Permits will be provided within 21 days of purchase and it will cover the year until September 30th, 2024. Those who purchase a permit at the start of the initiative will still have their bin collected throughout October if they are still waiting for it to be delivered by post. Brown bins can still be used free of charge for food waste only and for those who do not wish to buy a permit, garden waste can still be taken to council household waste recycling centres without charge. A Glasgow City Council spokesperson said, Charging for the collection of garden waste is common throughout Scottish local authority areas. Collecting garden waste is not a statutory service, which means local authorities can seek a reasonable charge from those who receive the service. A significant majority of households in Glasgow do not receive a garden waste service, and they have effectively subsidised the service until now. I think it's fair those who have brown bins for garden waste make a direct contribution which will support the delivery of the service and protect other services in the long term. Residents who do not wish to use the service can continue to use our household waste recycling centres free of charge or compost the waste in their own gardens. Residents will be written directly about the introduction of the new system which will be phased in over October with permits implemented in earnest from the start of November. Other councils which charge for the service include East Renfrewshire, Renfrewshire, Edinburgh City, Falkirk, Inverclyde, Aberdeen, Dundee, Highland, Midlothian, Moray, Perth and Kinross. This article is by Rebecca Newlands. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of September 2023 from the news section. And the headline reads, Locals divided by new upgrade on dangerous Glasgow Junction. This article is by Esther Tarnay. A community is divided about a Glasgow Junction which has recently been upgraded. As the Glasgow Times reported in August, the notoriously complex double roundabout at Westland Drive, Danes Drive and Victoria Park Drive North was changed to enhance safety. Over a 60-day period, engineers installed temporary traffic lights, which are now fully operational. Locals, however, are in disagreement about whether the project will help manage cars. Nigel Payne is upset with both the lack of consultation and the updates. He said, We have lived here for 15 years and I appreciate something needed to happen because of the massive influx of traffic. Problem is the fact that the City Council have just proceeded to do this without consultation with immediate residents. They started one before Covid but it was never concluded. They didn't come up with suggestions for any alternative solutions and have reduced the width of the pavement so the children, dogs and cyclists are actually closer to the road now. Now, cars that are approaching those new traffic lights are becoming very frustrated at the long waiting time and are speeding 
using the local avenues as rat runs. In contrast, others have praised the new design, including Christopher Wallace, who described it as a massive improvement. He added, It was certainly dangerous before. It is much quicker to get through the junction now. There are no queues. Traffic slows down because it's split into those turning left and right. Children can effortlessly cross the road. They just press a button and wait for all the traffic to stop. It's definitely made it a safer place to be. About the consultation, he said, Nobody has asked my opinion, but I really don't see the need for a public discourse. This article was by Esther Tarnay. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of September 2023 from the news section. And the headline reads, Medieval Govan Warrior Stone Discovered in Glasgow. This article is by Marissa McWhorter. A community archaeological dig took a delightful turn when excavations uncovered a remarkable new find, an early medieval carved stone of a warrior. The stone, dubbed the Govan Warrior, was uncovered on Saturday, September 16th, at Govan Old Churchyard as part of a community fund day organised by Glasgow Doors Open Days Festival. Over 500 people visited the site over the weekend to take part in the excavations, which were coordinated by the Glasgow Building Preservation Trust. The excavation was led by University of Glasgow professor Stephen Driscoll and Clyde Archaeology. Dozens of volunteers from the Govan community participated in digs for the first time alongside archaeology students from the University of Glasgow and Clyde Archaeology. The Warrior Stone is a unique find at the ancient site, which is celebrated for its richness of Viking Age sculpture. Professor Driscoll described the Govan Warrior as the most important find he had made at the site in three decades. He said, It's a style that makes us think both about the Pictish world and also about the Isle of Man, and it's interesting that we are halfway between these two places. Govan is the ideal place for these two artistic traditions or styles to come together. This is probably the most important find that I've made in my 30 years of working at Govan Old. The new stone is very exciting because it takes the collection to a different cultural place, as it does not look like the heavier and chunkier Govan School style. The new stone is much more delicate in its execution, using finer, shallow incisions. Stone portrays a man upside on, carrying a round shield and a shaft over the shoulder. The man is probably carrying either a sword or a spear and can be described as a warrior. While much of the warrior's face has been damaged since it was carved over a thousand years ago, remarkable details suggest a flowing ponytail and a sharply pointed beard. Govan Old is the home of the Govan Stones Museum, which contains one of the finest collections of early medieval and Viking Age sculpture in Europe. A collection of over 30 sculptures produced by the Viking Age Kingdom of Strathclyde, a lost kingdom of old Welsh-speaking Britons who dominated the Clyde Valley from the 5th to the 11th centuries AD. The new find is exceptional for its quality, even amongst the superb existing collection which includes the unique Govan sarcophagus, the Govan cross, and five hogback gravestones, a Scandinavian-style funerary monument that dates to the 9th or 10th centuries. Govan Old is open to the public until the 31st of October, 1pm to 4pm. This article was by Marissa McWhorter. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. 
please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service. <laughs>